podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast, the podcast that accepts responsibility for yesterday's defeat. This week on Heart and Hand, shite semi-final again. So welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar, I'm your host and I'm joined this week, um, probably not the most fun week to be asked to do the pod, but uh, they, they turned up nonetheless, for which I'm grateful. First of all, Mr Cameron James Bell. Good afternoon, David, good afternoon. And uh, hopefully bringing some levity to proceedings is Mr Alexander Staff. I'll try my best, gentlemen, but uh, welcome, as always. Uh, we, I, mean, I would normally go here and say how we're feeling, but I don't think I, I really want to ask that question, do I? Well, uh, with regards to the opening statement on the show tonight, um, a listener last night, and I think might have might have been drinking, but he, <laughs> he got in touch with me via Twitter to uh, tell me that it was my fault that we'd lost. And his rationale for this was, uh, and I'll accept it, people, his rationale for this was... All week I'd been saying we were going to win, um, and I was confident, which I was. I was. I thought we were going to win, and I'd said I'd never seen us lose at Hamden, which I hadn't, and um, that jinxed us. So it kind of makes the next forty minutes or so of analysis a little bit redundant. We usually go over what happened in the match, maybe any underlying issues, maybe tactical problems, anything like that, but no. Um, my fault because I thought we would win and hoped that my good record at Hamden would continue. Listeners, I'm sorry. I didn't mean it. I'll try to avoid in future ever thinking that we are going to win a match that we're favourites for. Alex, do you wish to chastise me further? Not really, no, but it is going to make every single word you say from now on very fucking fraught. Mm. Um, I didn't know I had this power I didn't know I had this power um, I didn't realise either no. So um, from now on I think we're going to get fucked every week And I, I'll only go to places where I have a bad record <laughs> I think it's part of this See, th- th- This is why these shows aren't as much fun to do folks after a defeat Because people get very angry after a defeat And they lash out um, Especially on the actual evening of them when they've, when they've had a drink and it's understandable you see it quite a lot on social media but listening to this people will say um, I can't believe you said that I can't believe you didn't mention that I can't believe you think that Um, so the boys and me know that this is one of these episodes we're getting a kick in so what I've done um, I've gone to the trouble of compiling what I call a complete list of reasons some of which are contradictory but this way I think we cover every base and nobody can get onto us. So there's a bit of, bit of thought went into this, right? Bit of thought. So, yesterday was Stephen Gerrard's fault. Yesterday, you can't blame the manager. Yesterday was Umar Sadiq's fault. Yesterday, I can't believe people are scapegoating Umar Sadiq. Yesterday, we lack creativity in the last third. Yesterday, I blame the defenders. Yesterday, Derek McInnes is a lucky wee fanny, we dominated the match. Yesterday, can he believe Derek McInnes, we never got him. 
Does that cover everything? No, because I would say that the real fault here lies with Neil Doncaster because if our original kickoff time had been adhered to, we would have won that game. <laughs> um, I forgot Alfredo Morelos getting himself suspended. Um, I forgot Dave King. I forgot. You know, I, I forgot a lot of things. I won't be able to cover. What I'm trying to say, folks, is we can only give you our opinions. We can't give you yours. So with that in mind, um, we'll just try and crack on. Yesterday and Thursday um, against Spartak Moscow highlighted something that I don't think has has come as any surprise, Alex, and that is that we do lack a little bit of creativity in the last third and we can become predictable. And when we face teams who are very well organised and don't mind giving us the vast majority of the ball, then we can struggle if we don't get an early goal. Yeah, we can. And what what we've noticed in the games, if you think about the three defeats that we've had, um, this, the Celtic game was just a, a kind of poor one overall and there was some you know, other reasons for the way the team played that day. But uh, Livingston and now Aberdeen, uh, three defeats under the two things that were very much overriding in both of those games is that both of those sides were happy to let us get crosses in because we don't do it that often. When you look at it statistically in the league, we're actually quite low for crosses. Yeah, in the Livingston game, for example, we average about 15 a game. In the Livingston match, we had at least 25 that I could see in terms of statistics and there might have been more. A huge amount more than our average and it shows you the way the Livingston were happy just to let us go wide. Spartak were as well and, and midweek let us cross the ball in because it's not really one of our strengths anymore so we've let in the last two games we certainly did uh, yesterday we've let other teams kind of dictate to us how we're going to play rather than playing our own game uh, it's happened a few times this season I don't think it's every match I don't think it's really you know there's other teams have tried it and we haven't done that but it's something that we do still seem to be learning uh, which is added to the frustration yesterday because had we played our own game uh, you would have been much more confident in getting the result wouldn't you absolutely now Cammy, I'm a huge fan of the manager anyone who listens to the show will know that and I'm not throwing my toys out the pram here um, but when we praise him for excellent results I think it's only um, fair the corollary of that is that you have to criticise if you feel he's made bad decisions and it doesn't mean that I'm saying oh he's useless or get rid of him I'm just saying that um, I think yesterday he had a bad day at the office the first one for me was of course uh, and Alex feel free to chip in here as well Umar Sadiq um, who we hadn't seen for a long time and hadn't started the match this season it's been a while since even his last substitute appearance he was brought in from out of nowhere to play um, so we didn't have to alter the side and we played a normal formation a normal style with him at the pivot with, um, with Morelos of course being suspended and Kyle Lafferty unavailable um, it didn't work in my opinion and while I don't think he's entirely the reason we lost. Uh, of course he hasn't. It doesn't change the fact that, for me, the manager had to come up with something better. And while it's OK to say, well, he's a third-choice striker, we needed a, a striker, so you play him. I get that, but the suspicion was it would be ineffective, and unfortunately it was. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a 
It was, and there's actually a kind of point there which maybe I'm quoting controversy, but the main issue for me with this was we were landed in this situation which, although Gerard couldn't foresee, he had made comments to Sadiq's ability well before this. Um, And unusually, I think given the current climate, I will praise Umar Sadiq because I didn't think he lacked effort yesterday. I think he lacked quality and he lacked a lot of other things. But he didn't go out there with a with a poor attitude, which possibly he could have done as a loney who I think he's fairly sure he's going back to his parent club in January. Um, and Gerard, I think, had kind of set his stall out. And, and as this situation where he was probably going to have to play started to, to unravel, Gerard publicly tried to kind of backtrack that slightly. Um, and then I think he went back to his original message in his post-match yesterday. I think the thing is, um, he was in a kind of damned if you do, damned if you don't situation. We could have played Andy Dallas up front, and then if we still get the same result, it would have been more wide than we play Sadiq, who's got far more experience than him. You were just never going to be able to I don't, that. I don't think it would have been. I think that the whole situation has been baffling, not in the lead up to it particularly, because it was the manager doesn't rate him, it's been a dud sign, and that can happen. But then to get him in, okay, that seemed a bit odd. And then, of course, for him not to play that well. Whereas I think with Dallas, it would have been, we need a striker, he's a striker. Uh, we thought we'd give it a try. Alex, I, I, I hear what Cammy's saying. And like I say, I just, the whole situation has been odd. And I have to admit that I thought we would try something different because the manager couldn't have really made it clearer that he wasn't taken at all with Sadiq. And yet, then pitches him into one of our most important matches so far. And sort of proves why he was right, but I didn't get the thinking at all. And I think that it was the manager saying, I will do anything to avoid having to change the way I want to play. Possibly. Uh, We've gave him some stick, in fairness. We've gave Gerard some stick for changing the the way the the team plays in other matches. Um, You know, Motherwell away, Livingston away. We've kind of given some stick for a change of shape, a change of approach. So maybe he was, as you say, trying to to maintain some sort of momentum with what he had and making that one change was closest to that. Uh, Actually, I'm probably going to take a bit of stick for this, but I didn't think Sadiq was terrible. I thought he'd done okay-ish up until the moment that I'm sure we'll, we'll talk about. Uh, uh, when he when he's hit the deck, when he probably didn't need to, but uh, you know, up until then, I thought he'd done all right for a guy who was pitched into his first game for his semi final, hasn't played first team football in a while, etc. Um, I would agree with that, Alex, but that is a, is a slightly different issue. I would agree actually, and I've watched the game back this morning, folks. Sadiq was all right. He wasn't Rangers, you know. Well, maybe he was Rangers' boss player, but he wasn't far. Of, he was not the reason Rangers lost solely yesterday there were other players who didn't turn up either and I think as Cammy said given the situation he turned up he gave it his best and I don't think that you can ask for a lot more than that from a player he's, he's probably not up to the standard we need but the whole situation has been weird it has yeah no, there's no doubt about that no one was expecting when there was rumours kicking about in the morning that Sadiq was starting people were kind of like, no chance um, and given that's just summed up the situation there and then 
The only thing I can think of, and I have that bad thought, and this when you knew from the minute the team broke, I think Gerard, aside from trying to keep things relatively, you know, the way that they were, and make as few changes as possible, I think he wanted to see if Pitching City can could get a reaction out of him. Uh, you know, to see if maybe it's just about you know, okay, well, I'm giving you your chance here, go and show me that I'm wrong. Uh, that's the only other thing I can think of because yeah we could have played young Dallas I think I actually kind of expected him to be at least on the bench we could have went with Grejda and a completely different approach in the front three would have been difficult with the way Aberdeen played but it would have been you know interesting to watch uh, I can't see any other reason after everything that's happened that Gerard suddenly thought this is a guy that's going to win me this game uh, he must have been expecting something more from him the la- it's the, the, well, the simplest answer to that is it's, it's twofold. The first one is Gerard's pragmatism, which has been evident throughout certain parts of the, the season thus far, and also his lack of other options. Um, I, I, I don't really know if I disagree with the fact that people were surprised that Sadiq would play, but I think most of us would have said Sadiq will probably have to play because he's 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 pretty much our only other first team striker. But then don't you give him? But then don't you give him some minutes in the run up to even off the bench? Listen, listen. But this this is probably where and and Gerard alluded to this himself. And one thing you you cannot fault our manager for is that he is self effacing because he came out in his post match and said, "I wouldn't have played Morelos against Air United," but I would add on to that and say, "Well, okay, maybe you wouldn't have played him against it, but see when the game was done and dusted, why didn't you take him off?" He and did. why didn't you give Sadiq give I don't I don't expect He did Sadiq take no he did to, he did take him off in that game, Cammy, but he didn't have Sadiq no, no, but, he didn't have Sadiq on no, the bench. What, what what I mean by that is if you're taking him off or then playing Sadiq because he's not going to play Sadiq against Spartak Moscow. So again, like you say, he, he should have been able to try and fold them into the team somehow and then get some minutes out of him. I don't think for a minute Sadiq will be at Rangers post January. There's there's no chance that he's put him into that game yesterday to say, Go and prove yourself and, and let's see what we've got because I think we have we we are now seeing the polar opposite of Andy Halliday, and by that what I mean is Andy Halliday has absolutely expressed himself in training to be able to get the level of game time that he's getting and to get the amount of plaudits that he's getting from Gerard. Sadiq is not getting the game time, and he's also getting pelters from Gerard publicly. And from that, I would say that's that's what he's obviously producing in the training pitch. So I think his mind is very much made up about Sadiq. I don't think anything that he would have done yesterday would have changed that. To be honest, where you're seeing a, a a little bit of a failure and probably that addressing the inexperience that Gerard is where he probably should have brought Sadiq in and, and given him more game time in the run up to this because I would have lost happily 5-0 last Thursday in order to be able to get to the final of the League Cup if that had meant Sadiq had played and I don't know had maybe scored or got something out of that game which would have given him the proper prep for yesterday and that never happened Alex the penalty incident, I've watched it back quite a few times. Um, I, I can't get my head around it. I don't know why he chose to do what he did. There is a slight push in the back um, from the the defender, but not enough to take him down. And to, to be honest, he then tries to create contact with the keeper anyway, so it's not the shove in the back he's reacting to. I just don't understand the decision. Looked to me like he'd slightly lost his balance, uh, but only slightly, in a way that he could have still stayed on his feet anyway. Uh, frustrating because um, <laughs> had he just rolled that, you know, into the back of the net, taking us any extra time, and the 
reactions towards his performance would have been very different, wouldn't they? It just shows you the, the kind of margins there. One of those things that seems to be happening now, players feel a bit of contact and they think it's better to go down in the box than to take the chance of... Because if he was off balance, he goes through and he skies that thing over the bar. You know, He's probably, in that split second, just felt the contact, felt himself got off balance and thought, I need to hit a deck here. Um, yeah, there was no real defending it, though. Uh, much like the performance yesterday, it was... A promising situation in the final third where we made a horrendous decision. It was almost like a little microcosm of the entire entire game. And Thursday, and that uh, I think that's probably why people are, are are being so down on it because, as you say, it's a game of fine margins. Had we scored, and I genuinely felt this after an hour, had we got one, we'd go on and get three because Rangers were by far the better side. I'm not gonna complain about it, I'm not going to give it the whole oh Aberdeen didn't come to play, it's a semi-final, it's about winning, it's about getting through um, had we got the goal, then they'd have got lambasted because they came and showed no ambition and sat in, but because they didn't or we didn't, and they then you know did what their plan was, which is try and pinch a goal somewhere uh, their plan worked perfectly, it's the fine margins in football, Cammy. if Rangers, if Ryan Jack's shot in the first half goes in who knows? I think Rangers win the tie, probably three 0 really comfortably, um, but it didn't. And we're Rangers. We don't do eye butts and moral victories. The fact is, Aberdeen won fair and square. Unfortunately, um, it would be. I'd love to blame the referee. It wasn't his fault. I'd love to, you know, to say that ugh, Aberdeen had no ambition. They didn't deserve it. Semi final's not about deserving it. It's about winning it. No, you're right. And listen, I'm not. I'm not willing to, to turn around and say Aberdeen didn't get what he deserved out of that game because he did. And we were um, too easy to read. We were um, playing in a style that Aberdeen uh, felt very comfortable with throughout the entire game. There was points where, to kind of come back to where we were offensively, uh, the amount of times when we came into the box, especially within the last 20 minutes or so, with the ball in the deck, looking for a cutback, and we just don't know who's there. We've you know, It's virtually a blind pass after creating brilliant, brilliant space. Because uh, Kent did that a couple of times and it was to no one. And Aberdeen mopped up and dealt with it. Um, th- there's another part to that. And, and this, again, I don't think has been an overwhelmingly um, popular thing. But I'm also disappointed that the goal that we've conceded is yet again another cross, which I've got to want our keeper to go and come for. And it harks back to Motherwell. And I think that if he comes and starts, you know, even if he doesn't get anywhere near it or whatever, but gets a foul on it, then it makes a difference. But that contact from that distance from the goal is is almost 99 times 100 is, is straight in the back of the net. And I think that there has to be some fault put towards that as well. If, we, if, if we're going to use that microcosm of that dive to blame that and Sadiq, then I think we have to look at that defending and the goalkeeping from the goal that we conceded. Because, again, I I, I just don't find it acceptable that we are conceding corners or conceding from corners when your man has got a header four yards out. It it blows my mind. I don't understand as to why we're doing it. It was the the difference between them and us that they found a good delivery. We didn't at all. And uh, it, it cost us. But... 
the first thing I said actually, I was sitting on the halfway line in North Stand, and the first thing I said was, "That's a fucking Motherwell goal again," and it was keeper not coming for it, defenders therefore not have to deal with it. If if that's you know the agreement, if we know we've got a keeper who doesn't really like coming off his line, but if he's never going to come for it, and I agree with you, I think that um, sometimes you have to. It was a terrible goal to give away, and it just it just summed up our day, Alex. The, the manager played Jack and Koulibaly in midfield now. Hartland's own last. I don't think he's been playing anywhere near the level he did before his injury, since his injury. And obviously, you know, there's, there's a, a fairly obvious factor that could have caused that. But it's a slightly bigger question. Do we need both of them in matches where the opposition are going to sit in? And to further that, do you think the manager's quite realised yet that, look, this is what teams in Scotland are going to do against us? you're going to have to work out a system that is maybe not the way you want to play but is capable of breaking sides down because now especially after this match televised everyone in the country saw it this is all we're going to face now we saw it against Hamilton we saw it here teams are just going to sit in and go have the ball quite happy for you to have the ball we're going to sit in here try and hit the break and yes if we get one early, we've proved that we can go on and smash teams four or five but if we don't then we struggle and do you think the manager's quite got his head around the fact that you're going to face teams that A, it's always a cup final and B, this is how they'll play I think he has, I don't know if all our players have quite got there yet um, you guys I, I, I unfortunately missed tonight but obviously you guys had set up the Clint Hill night and Someone even as experienced as him spoke about, you know, that little bit of uh, adaption to the demands and the way that other teams played against us. Um, so I'm not sure that the players have entirely got there. What I will see on Koulibaly and Jack, uh, and I'll just make this point very briefly, when Koulibaly was playing his best stuff, Ryan Jack was in the team with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, since his injury, I, I don't think it's because the two of them are playing. However, I will also say that I do believe where our field fully fit, Ryan Jag would have been dropped. Uh, I think he likes the midfield three of Koulibaly, Ajaria, our field, the one that done so well against Rapid Vienna and Hearts as well. Um, I think he likes that. I think that's his preference to drop Koulibaly that big deeper and have our field being the one doing the box-to-box work with Ajaria. Arfield obviously being on the bench and getting his little time as he did suggests that you know he wasn't quite ready for this one uh, in a way that, that meant he could be brought in. So so yeah, it, um, I don't think we'll see that. I don't know. I don't entirely think Jack and Koulibaly together is a problem. I think the problem right now is that Koulibaly's just kind of dipped a little bit. We're maybe seeing why he didn't play so many games in France last season now. Mm. Uh, maybe there's you know he's still a relatively young footballer so maybe there's some consistency issues there and when he's on his game he looks very impressive but when he's not you can you can see some of his limitations in terms of his passing and such like and that and that becomes a frustration so um, yeah I think as you say to get back to the wider point I think Stephen Gerrard knows what we're facing I think the management team knows what we're facing I think some of our players are still adjusting to that uh, where in other leagues that they've played in it just wasn't like that. You didn't have to be at your maximum intensity every single game to get by. And I think that some of them are just still learning that. Um, you know, injuries, rotation, all that sort of stuff. Quite a number of our players. There's only really Goldstein and Morelos, isn't there? That 
you would say, and now Kent, that you would say have been regulars in the team and never really came out of it whenever they've been available. Uh, so, so for some of them, it's just still, I think, just adjusting to that. By Christ, Cammy, we missed Morelos yesterday, didn't we? Well, we did. Yeah, we absolutely did. And this, for me, and listen, it's, it's well known um, around this parish, my love of Kyle Lafferty, but... Uh, we need to buy strikers in January. It just it has to happen. And that, as much as we've flooded the midfield, as much as we prioritise the defence, which to the larger extent has vastly improved, however, there's still some very significant cracks in it, like what we've just discussed, um, we need to buy strikers because we can't go into that situation. We are one injury away up front from a crisis. And um, I... I, I I suppose I, I can understand where Alex is coming from in terms of that aspect of uh, the mentality, the you know the the, the youth. I, I do get those points, right? And they're very good points. The slight issue I've got with that, and where I think some of the questions that the fans want answered is the yin and yang, and you know the the, the night and day in terms of home and away performances, because um, there's too many times away from home where we look like we've shat the bed, and I think that that comes from the players, but I also think that to a certain extent, our field substitution yesterday was nothing to do with his injury. Uh, he obviously didn't start because of the injury, but I don't think he would have come on anywhere near that amount of time because of his injury. I think it's because Gerard didn't want to change it. And that, to me, there has to be lessons learned from that. And we have the right to ask the manager, why is this happening? And he has the right to ask his players, why is your mentality different? Because we can't cruise it at home and then just look like a rabbit in the headlights away. And that, that for me, is where um, there probably has to be quite a big part of reflection from everyone at the club in terms of where that happens. I think one of the, the issues is that, look, I'm positive on Stephen Gerrard. I still absolutely believe he's the man who's going to lead us back to success. I just do. And... I'll understand that other people are getting frustrated and saying, aye, but this and that. And I think part of it is time. And we want to just make things happen. A little bit like the team tried in the last 20 yesterday. We're trying to force it. Um, because, unfortunately, time will take time. And I know nobody wants to hear that. And I don't particularly want to. Um, I wish that everything would be sorted out with one summer. But cold light a day this morning when I was sitting feeling very sorry for myself um, it was one window, it was building a team from scratch from a uh, a pretty poor last team and it's going to take three or four windows unfortunately Alex and time happens across months rather than across uh, across one match to the next match I, I saw someone post on one of the social media um, platforms I keep hearing he's he's a young manager and he's learning. Well, when is he going to learn? It's like, well, mate, it doesn't work like that. It's not, well, this happened on Tuesday, therefore this shouldn't happen again on Sunday. It'd be nice, but things evolve. They very rarely in football does it just change like that. But I get that it's frustrating. I still think we're on the right track. Yeah, this is one of those situations, you're right there, time is, is one of the things that seems to be in patience, it seems to be in an even shorter supply than it's ever been before. Uh, and I think this is one of those situations where we can criticise the game on paper rather than in reality. You know, as you said, he's not going to go from Thursday to say, 
Ashton made substitutes earlier in the game on Thursday. He's got zero time in the training ground, really. Because what? Friday, recovery from the Thursday game. Saturday, you're not going to do very much because you've got a game on the Sunday. Um, is it really a surprise that the players then go out and put in a very similar performance on the Sunday as they did to the Thursday? No. Because, no. you know, it's not really a shock, is it? Yeah, you know, some people seem to think we should have learned all the lessons from Thursday and going to Sunday with a completely different approach. And that, you're right, there is a disconnect there in terms of reality. It doesn't really work that way. And we see this. We've had, for me, three relatively average performances in terms of Hamilton, Spartak and Aberdeen. I wouldn't go as far as poor. I think, you know, the results, again, the result against Aberdeen was poor. Spartak, I, I wasn't that. I didn't feel I discouraged by it. It was just a little bit frustrating. And obviously the result worked out for Hamilton and was probably the worst of the three performances, actually. Mm. Yeah, that was a game that we won. It's no surprise that in the space of seven days, when you've got no time to work with the players in between, really, that that happens, is it? I mean, that, we see that with teams all over the world. That's the sort of thing that goes on when you don't get time to work with players. And all you can really do is ask them for a reaction and hope for the best. And you can make changes if you like and such like, but you don't have much time to work in these things. So, yes, you're right. Even even down to the things like the subs, yeah, Gerard probably has taken that criticism on board. He'll certainly have heard it. There's no way he's not aware of it. But it doesn't mean that it's going to just change straight away. He needs to... I think he needs to feel this out a little bit and he's still learning as a manager as much as our players are still learning themselves as well. I do think I, that, I do think sorry, the subs yes. are, uh, the subs are a thing. Sorry, Cammy, I'll come to you on this. I was just I was going to ask you. I do think that the subs are a thing. I I think, and this is just an opinion. It's not based on anything other than just watching the games. I think, like yesterday, round about sixty minutes when we are, you know, the better side look more lightly. He thinks I don't want to change anything in case we go backwards. Whereas I prefer a manager to be saying I'm going to make the change that will get the breakthrough. Um, and I think it's just a, a sort of conservatism that he has and he's approaching I get it but I, it, it's not working and, and I mean then desperation kicks in after the goal you chuck two guys on with no time to settle in I think that you've got to be brave in those situations and say, I'm not asking them to put on three and go five up front a la Pedro but you know, to look at it yourself and they're saying, right, Sadiq's not working out take him off I'll stick on Middleton to go through the middle or Arfield or whatever I, I do think that's a legitimate criticism. Sorry, Cammy, go on. No, I mean, it's, it's a very similar point, David. I think, um, to come back to the point I made earlier on when he came out um, in the post-match yesterday and said, you know, I, I wouldn't have played Alfredo Morelos against United. And I'm like, well, OK, well, I understand that. But you've known that this problem um, and what we're going to do up front, you've known about that problem since Air United. So I think it's a legitimate and fair question to go back to him to say, well, how have you tried to compensate for that? Because there has been games where Sadiq could have been involved and and he hasn't been. And again, like you say, I, I don't think for a single minute, he's not going to butter Sadiq's bread by saying to him, look, son, you know, go out there and prove yourself and, you know, we'll see about keeping you past January. He's not going to do that. But what he can do is say, look, you can go back to, to, to Roma and you can sit in their bench or if you give a decent performance here, you could get you know, something out the back of it elsewhere. It's, it's your chance to put yourself a little bit in the window. Um, the thing with the subs is a problem, and it's... I don't I don't want to use the word fear with Steven Gerrard because I, I, I do think he has got mountains of courage. But there's 
been fearful and has been too pragmatic about what he's doing and I think he's edging too far down that road now. And again, if I had to go back to that, these two problems could almost be resolved with one solution, which is I don't really want to, to see us bust a gut to be able to beat Spartak Moscow. But Rangers fans have been starved of success. This, the three of us have just spoken about you know, the time factor, etc. as well. And what we're dealing with now, and we have to go back to this mentality of marginal wins, so, you know, it's going to be beating Celtic in the league as a big target. Been able to get our first major piece of silverware, another big target. Europe is absolutely, you know, well sought after and it's fantastic. But I would rather have seen effective subs against Spartak and game time for Sadiq with a thought to what happens on Sunday against Aberdeen in a semi-final. And I don't believe, as much as we can slag off Derek McInnes, that he didn't know that Gerard doesn't want to make immediate changes and you know give it a throw of the dice. He will wait and wait and wait and wait. And you can't say to Scott Arfield and Glenn Middleton with ten minutes, five minutes to go, right, go on, chaps, and see what you can do. It's just it's 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 pointless at that stage. Um, so I think he can acknowledge some of these things, and this is what I do like about him is that he is very self-effacing. He will take that you know criticism and he will. You know, hopefully start to work on it. I'm not seeing the work yet on the substitutions, but he needs to learn those lessons really quickly. And some of the best managers that football's ever had have had to take that criticism on board and change their approach. Alec Ferguson did it. And as soon as they can take that criticism and change what they're doing, it makes them better managers. Gerard needs to be able to do that, but he needs to do it quicker in terms of our expectations because I don't think Rangers fans are turning on him. But David just mentioned there, we do have some legitimate criticism that we can put his way. I think as well, Alex, that one thing that was crystal clear to me yesterday, and in my heart of hearts, uh, it's the same for me, that Europe is brilliant and it's great and financially it's amazing and it dwarfs anything else we could have achieved this season, that's just a fact. And the nights are exciting and we all enjoy it. That's the logical side of our brain. Our heart is going, I want a fucking trophy. I want 55. I don't give a fuck about all this Europe shite. And that's wrong, and it's parochial, and anything else you want to say about it, you can shout and ball at me and you'll be correct. But that's the issue the gaffer faces at the moment. That while all that's good, there is coming to a point where fans are, and I think we're getting to it now, just going, I don't give a fuck about that, in all honesty. Just beat Livingston, you know, beat Aberdeen. It's a dissonance, as you said earlier, but I think that's just the reality of the situation. Uh, Yeah, probably is. Yeah, even if somebody like myself would sit here and say, fucking tell, you know, tell that to my bank balance after buying mine and my boys' tickets for for the European games that we're going to go into them um, as third or fourth priority, you know, Mm. like... I get that. I do also understand Stephen Gerrard's position where he's very much taking the place of I'm the manager of Rangers and Rangers got to play to win in every single match. So, you know, he talked about this on Thursday when somebody asked what you're going to do with Sunday in mind. Gerrard's answer was I'll play my strongest team on Thursday and then I'll worry about Sunday after that. Uh, I get that. That's part of it. To, to go back slightly, the pragmatism thing because obviously the subs are a thing and I do get that. The pragmatism thing was probably something that we accused Walter Smith of a little bit as well during his spells 
Um, he, he would maybe be a bit more, uh, in fact, he was probably more pragmatic with substitutes at times. You know, if we were winning 1-0 in a game away from home, he wasn't likely to do what Gerard done in his first game against Aberdeen in the league, where he brought on a Jaria in midfield to try and get on the ball and, you know, get us up the pitch a bit more. He would have brought on Ross McCrory, which might have ended up being the right decision, but it would have been a more defensive one. And I don't know if things like that have bumped Gerard slightly. And he's a bit more cautious now in general with the subs. Doesn't know which way to go because he's made mistakes with them. And then you take something like the Middleton substitute in Villarreal, which ended up being inspired. Uh, and he's, I don't know if he's slightly, you know, undecided. I'd also like to hear what Michael Beale's saying to him around about the 60th minute mark yesterday. He had quite a lengthy conversation after one of our attacks broke down. I'd love to know if Beale's there telling him, look, we need to make a change. And he's saying no. Is it the other way around? Who knows? Um, overall, yeah, I, I get it. I guess I want to see Rangers just go to play. I don't think the Spartak Moscow game cost us yesterday, if you get my meaning. I just think that at the moment, we're in a slightly poor run in terms of performances. And what cost us yesterday was a mixture of us not doing enough to win the game and Aberdeen getting that little bit of luck that was needed on the day. Um, just. I want to see he's going to play win every game so I would rather I get it I want a trophy I want that more than anything else I want the league more than anything else uh, I don't think I'm certainly not giving up on that yet but uh, but yeah I wouldn't want to see us do what Celtic did over in Leipzig for example yeah. and pretty much throw the game I wouldn't want that either uh, because that just to me doesn't it just doesn't fit with the, you know our about an entire <laughs> reason for being, you know. No, I get it, and to be honest, what I'm effectively saying here in a long-winded way is, I just want to fucking win every match, and you know, yes. please, please find a way to make that happen, Stephen Gerrard. That's all I'm after. That's all the Rangers support want. We just want to win every single match. Uh, actually, that's something you can lose a couple once the league's won. So, but apart from that, if you but could... only if you're playing the entire under twenty. Yeah, you, yeah, right? obviously, and it's against somebody that we don't hate. Um, so long as that's the case, that's that's fantastic. Aye, so a really sore one, a kick in the balls. And Cami, um, Kilmarnock coming to Ibrox on Wednesday. Now, I think that they will line up exactly the same way that Aberdeen did. They will sit in, they will try and frustrate us. Um, they will try and frustrate the crowd, hoping we will get on the players' backs. However, we have this great record at Ibrox, and I think the players feed off that. So... It's an interesting game. I'm not going to say anything like, oh, it's a must-win, because they're all must-win. Um, but we really do need the players to find a bit of confidence, a bit of decision-making in the last third. We will have Morelos back, and I, I actually think the boost that that will give, not only us, but the players, will probably be enough for us. Yeah, I mean, it, it, but it should be more than enough. And, and what I mean by that is that, you know, I would like to... I would like to be able to kind of that old, you know, that old analogy of, you know, I'd be afraid for whoever we play next, as I believe Mr. Strith once said, because the ultimate aim to that is that you're then turn around and say we need to give someone a doing now in order to be able to lick your wounds, go away, regroup. Um, as much as we're all saying, yeah, we'd love to win everything and all that kind of stuff, the league is a priority. This is league business. This is what we need to be able to focus on. Um, Celtic have shown that they can be got at. Um, even though they'll have had a cracking weekend across uh, the last few days. But the, the biggest point to this is that we need to, to capitalise again in that home form. Bounce back, using the old cliche 
of of how much yesterday has hurt us and take it out against Kilmarnock. And um, again, I would I would want and I, I would take a one 0 win, but I would hope that we go out there and not only play them off the park, but unlike the Hamilton game, which turned into a little bit of a clusterfuck, dominate it from the first minute and and get a decent route against them. Alex, they are two decent fixtures. We did bounce back after the Levy disappointment um, with good results. Um, it, I'm of the belief that it's better to have a game quickly after a, a match like Sunday. And we've got another chance to further put away the away day hoodoo. We've got St Mirren at the weekend. We should absolutely be winning that game. Kelly are tough. They're a good side, but we should absolutely be beating them at Ibrox. It, to me, and this is maybe just hopeless optimism um, but I'm very much if I, if I was the manager I'd be saying to the players you've got a great opportunity to start trying to make it up to the fans here yeah they do um, Commander took four points off us at Ibrox last season we owed him uh, a game at Ibrox we owed him obviously we've done well against him in the League Cup this season we went there uh, we, we owed him a bit of a doing actually I, now they're going to be difficult to play against because they are under Sweetie Clark uh, as you say, they, they must have looked at the last few games and think, well, we know what approach we need to take in this one to make it difficult for them. Uh, but I think we'll see, there'll be probably be the edgiest Ibrox has been all season because of some of the you know, the anger from yesterday um, to begin with. I don't know, a Wednesday night will probably be quite cold. It's one of those nights, isn't it? And the crowd are a bit pissed off from Sunday, so I don't know how you know, the atmosphere will be to begin with, but I suspect the players are going to come out of traps very, very quickly, um, try and really, really go for it um, in that first 15, 20 minutes, see how that works. As you say, Morelos coming back in, will get the fans a little bit more excited again, um, to some extent, especially if he scores. Uh, I, I suspect there'll be a couple of changes there. Changes. I, I'm more interested to see what changes Gerard makes after being quite scathing uh, after the game yesterday. Uh, you know, what does he do? Does he give the same players another chance to prove themselves, or has he that annoyed that he drops? Like, uh, how many times did Candace? I, I thought Candace had a decent game yesterday, but how many chances did he mess up when he got himself in great positions and we a really poor cross or something like that? And then Gerald's talking about that lack of quality and decision making. Is that going to be someone who gets dropped because of that? I think you'll um, see four or five changes. Yes. Yeah, I suspect Arfield will come back in if he's fit. I think we've seen in the last three games what he offers us in midfield uh, by not being there. Um, I don't know if you'll have both Koulibaly and Jack on the pitch, it may be one or the other. Uh, Barisic will hopefully be fit. I think he offers a better balance going forward against teams that sit in as well. So, yeah, um, it'll, be, it'll be interesting in that respect. And you're right, having a game straight away is what players seem to like when they've, they've had a disappointment. They don't like a, a week or two in the training ground to stew over it. They want to be playing straight away. So um, I suspect we're going to come out and really go for it. And it's going to come down to that little bit of quality and luck again. And hopefully this time we'll show it. There's three games. I, I don't see this Rangers squad having four sort of frustrating average performances in a row. I think we're better than that. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the biggest annoyance. Is that, that I know we're better than that yesterday, but... A big game, we didn't show it. It's the second big domestic game, unfortunately, that we've lost. And 
Yeah, it was just a, a right kick in the stones. As was last week, Cameron, when uh, the news came that Sports Direct had won their legal battle, or so appeared, with Rangers over the selling of strips and that uh, Rangers were ordered to cease working alongside Elite with uh, uh, and other suppliers with the kits. Now, Dave King has responded today where he's basically said uh, Sports Direct owes money. They haven't paid us for last season's strip deal despite being asked and that Rangers will be taking them to court to try and get that money back. And that uh, the current injunctions uh, Rangers will comply with, but as he put it himself, Sports Direct should not think that this is the, the end of the matter or the last time we'll be in court. Your thoughts, Cameron? It's just the, it just it just rumbles on, doesn't it? And it's just what's what's amazing about this is fucking hell, Mike Ashley can hold a grudge. I mean, honestly, I thought I was bad, but he could sweep the board with me for you know, you know pettiness stakes. Um, it's just it, money is going to be the only thing that resolves this outcome, and um, I, I, I absolutely do not want to kowtow to to Sports Direct in terms of any kind of agreement with them going forward. Um, however, we can get into a situation that we've had previously where fans can't buy strips and all the rest of it and been able to try and deal with that because obviously we're all aware of the demand that the strips uh, generated when they were when they were uh, released um, a few weeks ago. Um, personally, and I've been critical of King in the past, so I'm not going to be that guy who kind of does a 180 and, and, and you know, you know turns the other cheek with it. Um, but I enjoy the fact that Dave King is the one who comes out and responds back to these things. I think it, it, it shows how seriously Rangers are taking it um, when it's coming directly from him. Um, I, I, I don't know what the solution is to this. I don't know if it is get everyone around the table and then just pay them and wipe our hands of it. Let's just start ripping things up and let's just call it a day. Um but sports direct don't want to let this go, and that that for me is completely driven by Ashley. And that's the problem, Cammy. Sports direct don't want to just be given money and fuck off, um, and nor do they really want the business either. Which is why they they hemmed and hawed after the initial court victory they had a couple of months ago, which was why Rangers decided, well, fuck this, we're just going to get the strips out. They are just being deliberately obstructive. It would appear, and that's Rangers' view on it, Alex. Yeah, um, I probably need a bit of clarification on this one, guys, because I've heard various um, reactions to, to this news and such. Like, my understanding, and please correct me if I'm wrong, because there's a very real chance that I am. My understanding is that Rangers are now in the position where they have to, well, they cannot any longer be chasing partnerships or strips or, or anything like that. However, elite and Grief Sports, and I don't know about JD Sports, they might be different because of the nature of that agreement, but there are companies who are able to buy these strips from Hummel and still do business. Is that correct? Yes, what would happen is that the court ruling said that Rangers had to stop dealing with, stop dealing with Elite and stop telling Elite the, um, or promoting Elite, which Rangers have done, but Rangers uh, can't tell Elite to stop selling the strips. Sports Direct would need to win a separate injunction against them and as of the time of recording they haven't achieved that okay so despite everything and from a public you know, from a PR standpoint it's not good again um, ultimately 
given the way that sports director have acted, the board have played not a blinder, but they've played the only hand they could, really, in this one. I mean, what were they going to do, sit and wait on sports direct being cooperative? That was never going to happen, so they've almost felt forced to go into what they've done and yeah, they did, some money and yeah. got some strips out there. They weren't even so much worried about the money, it was just getting strips out there to, to let fans get a hold of them. That was the main consideration. Yeah. yeah. But, so, uh, yeah, yeah, negative in terms of kind of PR standpoint, very, very annoying, as Cammy says, when it comes to sports direct and in the way that Mike Ashley can, can hold a grudge and I suspect, you know... He'll still have he'll still be holding that grudge a hundred years after he dies mm. probably. Um it'll be part of the will for whoever takes over from him. <laughs> um it'll be trying to shaft Rangers at every opportunity. Um but uh, ultimately, you know, not great news but not the worst. It could have been had the board been, you know, a bit less what's the right word here? I, I wanna say sneaky with but not quite sneaky, but um, you know, they made a decision that wasn't quite within the spirit of everything, but it's actually turned out to be kind of the best that we could do with it, really. Yeah, I think so, and it will rumble on. Unfortunately, I know that that's not what people want to hear, but uh, that certainly seems to be the case. Now then, uh, we we like to... It's been a fairly downbeat pod, obviously, but we like to leave you with a smile on your face, and to do that, we nominate our Total Heartsons, and that's where we look around the world of football to see who has said something so utterly stupid or done something so utterly idiotic that it could actually have come from the mind of one John Hartson. So, Alex, if you would like to kick us off this week, who would you like to nominate? Uh, yes, I would like to nominate Eduard Bello, who is a Venezuelan striker who plays for a team called Antofagasta, who are playing against a, a Venezuelan team called Everton. Seems to be one of those things, doesn't it? Mm. Uh, all these names all over the place. Um, now, I want to set a story up a little bit. I, I, one time during the game I played, I played football with guys and like a couple of them were kind of junior players and one of them in particular was a kind of archetypal junior footballer, you know. It was He grew up, he's the old man, played junior football. He ended up playing for Benburb for a long time. He um, he was a football guy <laughs> and anybody that is a football guy understands what I mean by that phrase. We were playing a game one time and his missus came out of the car and ran over to the side of the pitch to try and talk to him. <laughs> and my fucking word, uh, was the biggest mistake she'd ever made in her life, right? You do not do not talk to the missus during a game and you certainly don't encourage her to talk to you, right? However, Edward Bello being um, a modern man, the sort of guy that, that Scott probably hates. Um, but as... Sorry? But is the kind of yes. man that Scott probably yeah, hates. Yeah, I get what you mean by that, yeah. Uh, if, yeah if, his, if his wife came to the side of the pitch, Scott would meekly walk over and see what she wanted. <laughs> yeah, somewhat, yeah. Um, but, but Edward Bellow um, scored a goal in the second minute in this game and went over and proposed to his girlfriend at the side of the pitch. Oh, right? oh, oh, no. Right? No, I don't so, like yeah. that. Oh, oh, fuck off, is my response yeah. to that. I don't like Imagine that. Imagine she said no, firstly. Anyway, Which so, she should have just that, for the lols. <laughs> she should have, yeah. Scores that goal, celebrates, gets polite applause from both sets of fans. Ugh. Can you imagine Rangers fans applauding a player for proposing after he's scored against us? No. My word, man, that'd cause riots. I'd like to anyway, think we'd be singing, she takes it up the arse. Yeah, oh, it'd, something, it'd be something. There's no way we would applaud him for it. No. Then he, he later scores another goal in the game, so he's open to scoring, he then equalises. 
and then he goes off injured in the second half and what I can only assume is karma. And <laughs> when, you actually, when you actually break this story down, it's like a little microcosm of his life and he's, where he's made a total hearts and all of it. He's scored, he's proposed, he's scored again, and now he's fucked for life. And that's it. That's him. That's his story. He's made a total hearts and all of it in the space of 90 minutes. <laughs> Alex there with his uh, his views on marriage. <laughs> <laughs> Coming to the fore there. Uh, Cammy. So um, mine comes from um, the time you can't get out down sport uh, land of down under. Um, so you guys will hopefully be aware that uh, Usain Bolt seems to be taking FIFA Ultimate Team a bit too seriously. Yes. Um, and is fishing as much as he can for a professional contract. He'd score goals for fun up here. Well, yeah, exactly, yeah. Well, he runs like Umar Sadiq, except, you know, at like 40 times the speed. Um, so he's currently with the Central Coast Mariners and um, in a, I want to say, a pre-season, pre-season friendly. Actually, bagged a brace, he scored a couple of goals. Would anyone care to guess who set up one of those goals? Oh, I read this somewhere. Yeah, go oh, on. If you know it, then David, would you like to have a guess? I read it, but I can't remember. It was some, it was like a Scottish guy, wasn't it? Oh, it Ross was. McCormick, it was Ross McCormick. It was Ross McCormick, yes, that's right, the Slayer of Porto. He uh, yeah, he actually set up both for one of his goals. Rat face tarrying um, as well. <laughs> the, the, other, the other thing with this, though, is that it's, it's becoming... Uh, obviously the PR around this is absolutely sensational and, it, and it's starting to promote the A-League you would think however some uh, of the players within the A-League uh, don't really take to this kind of story one of which being um, Andy Keogh who uh, plays for Perth Glory who and this is a direct quote says that Bolt has a touch of a trampoline <laughs> uh, he says he's, he's never he's never going to make it as a professional footballer um Bolt's 31 uh, as well so again I mean he's, he maybe could get a couple of years but he would have to be able to prove it but the really good thing with this is that again obviously this is the corporate side of football working against the practical side of football because uh, in a recent press conference um, the the manager of Central Coast man was a guy called Mike Mulvey was asked you know how do you feel about Bolt being offered a contract and he actually replied by saying that's the first I've ever heard about this <laughs> So it's it's quite clear that um, the 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 owner has been able to try and promote Central Coast Mariners a little bit more uh, than they would say that their their manager is trying to look at, at certain positions. But in fairness, I, I mean, I think I probably would have taken Bolt up top yesterday. So um, you, you can't really slag him off. Maybe we might get him in January. Actually, um, one thing I'd say with you saying Bolt is being a bit of an athletic standard kept an eye on this one. Um, just a sheer curiosity to see how he would do. Athletics? Uh, yeah, I used to be a, a good sprinter back in my day, as much as that's hard to believe now. So, um, well, but, uh, Tell you something then, Alex, if we get, stand you next to Usain Bolt, you're like a fucking advert for Just Say No. Aye, exactly. Exactly, man. I could have been the original Usain Bolt. But, <laughs> could know, have been a contender. Then, then fucked it. Um, but the, what's interesting is the A-League's like one of those leagues where you've got salary cap I think you've got a um, you know each team has a cap yeah that's it's not a, like yeah you, you can know, you can spend it all on one player if you so wish yeah. but yeah you, you've got limited yeah. funding yeah. Yeah. Um, and Usain Bowles giving it a whole I really want to be a professional footballer it's been my dream and then the Mariners offering him a, 
professional contract and he's like oh no that's not enough money <laughs> uh, and it's like ah you say that i've got a funny feeling your dreams are slightly warped here pal because mm. uh you've made a fair amount in early years and you're going to continue to do so through sponsorships and shit take fucking 500 pound a week and enjoy it <laughs> you know what i mean like uh no so he's still at it a little bit as much as uh i like i like the big fucking bastard he's uh he's at it let's let's just say that this was one we missed from last week, but it was after um, Southampton's 0-0 draw with Bournemouth. Southampton manager Mark Hughes was, he was very proud of this result, and he said, that was a statement today. What a fucking dreary <laughs> statement that is. But it, it then occurred to me that it's a very Mark Hughes statement, isn't it? I mean, you would expect a Mark Hughes statement to be dry, a little bit dull, slightly frightening, um, you wouldn't expect it to be, you know, when the seagulls follow the trawler type statement, would you? Yeah, so it was no, very no. in keeping with his character um, at the moment. And they got another 0-0 draw with Newcastle at the weekend, which literally was the worst game of football that's ever been played, either in real life or in fiction. <laughs> it was atrocious um, between two teams who are just shit out of confidence. And Alex, much to you, I'm sure you being a tactical nonce, um, both of them played four four two. Yeah, yeah, it's just not a formation anymore. Oh, there's there's the contra- there's the controversial moment in the show, folks. That'll be the one that that gets uh, the listeners uh, coming into us with with comments. Okay, folks, that's everything then from Heartland. Now, a few you asked last week why there wasn't a Heartland extra. Um, after discussions with the production company, uh, it's because of times when we play out late on a Thursday night, there's no way for them to get it out um, in time for the next match. So that's what we're going to do, and we'll just fold it into the next show like we've done uh, tonight. We've only got, what, another three um Thursday night matches maybe to go but uh, those weeks there won't be one so uh, I might try and stick up something else from from our, our Patreon site though just to, to come in your ears and of course if you do want to hear more from us go to our Patreon site um, which is patreon.com forward slash heart and hand that's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand for just one ninety nine a month you will get about oh, uh, I'd say maybe an extra 80 to 100 hours of content per month on all things Rangers all things football um, to put that uh, into context apart from all the Rangers stuff from the last couple of days today we had an interview with the director of Kaiser uh, the greatest footballer who never played football the story of a Brazilian player who played for around about 20 clubs big big clubs by the way like uh, once you've heard of Corinthians, Grêmio, Botafogo Roma um, the only thing was is he wasn't a footballer and he never actually played for any of them but he kept getting contracts after contracts and uh, shagged a thousand women um, in, his, in his life so no fucking energy clearly left to play football but um, good guys featured in the movie like Romario Bebeto um, Zico uh, the, you know this guy is very well known in Brazil and uh, yes there are transsexuals involved for those of you who when you hear Brazilian football you think drunken monkey or transsexual no drunken monkeys but there are transsexuals, and that interview is available for subscribers today, and we'll be giving away a couple of copies of it on, on Patreon as well. Um, please check out heartandhand.co.uk, where you can buy loads of Heart and Hand branded tat. Um, there's no no problem with our suppliers, uh, and none of it goes to Sports Direct. It's a load of shite, but Christmas is coming up. Stock and fillers, give it to someone, they'll look at it, a wee bit disappointed, you'll go, hey, but you've done your bit, right? Just 
that's what to do. And lastly, we've released a very limited amount of tickets for our Craig Moore night. If you go to our social media feeds, you will find the ticket link. You'll still so go to Heart and Hand Facebook and you'll find the link and you can come and see Craig Moore joining the pod at the Loudoun Tavern Glasgow on Friday the 9th of November. All that remains for me to do is to thank um, our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles, West Ham and Spurs fans, so uh, they weren't talking after uh, the match last week. And to thank my two guests, the ever-wonderful Mr Cameron and James Bell. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank you for your time. Oh, uh, I didn't give a winner. The winner is Alex um, of the Hearts of the Week. Yeah, your lad for absolutely fucking it. Um, Both his credibility and his life, we're giving it to your lad. So there's a wee bonus and a thank you, Mr Alex Staff. Thank you, gentlemen. We will be back uh, on Thursday this week, because we're playing on the Wednesday, with a review of the Kilmarnock game and a look ahead to St Mirren. Until then, have a wonderful week. I'll speak to you again then. Cheers. Bye. Podcast Network.